0: Hello, hello, this is Pete from Box Office 30. I wanted to tell you all about something exciting I'm working on and invite you to be a part of it. Recently, I started a little online business selling comic books and other collectibles on the WhatNot platform. It's called Pete's Comics and Collectibles. Apt name, right? What is WhatNot, you may be asking yourself? Well, it's kind of a weird blend between Twitch and eBay. You can find all sorts of great collectibles, both modern and vintage. There's tons of different categories you can follow, and what you do is join live shows that the sellers are putting on, and you can see what they're selling and chat with them in real time, chat with others in real time, and place bids on items that you might be interested in. Really cool, really fun, and if you win, the items are shipped directly to you. Couldn't be easier. And if you join using my link, you'll actually receive $10 to use in the app. So sign up now at WhatNot.com slash invite slash Pete's Comics to get your $10. And that's coincidentally the name of my channel, Pete's Comics. So whether you're a new user or somebody who's been using WhatNot for a while, I'd love for you to come check out my stream. I sell lots of fun stuff, lots of old comics, lots of new comics, lots of other stuff coming up. Maybe some baseball cards, Magic the Gathering, who knows? Again, that's Pete's Comics on the WhatNot app. Hope to see you soon. Thanks. A presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you thirty years into the past. To explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s, I'm Pete, and I'm Michael, and
1: And this this is
0: Box Office 30. 30. And welcome to Box Office 30's review of, well, I don't know, a December. bunch of movies this month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did something weird this month. If you're just tuning in, uh, normally we do a review on one listener's choice film. This month we thought we'd... Uh, Really punish ourselves, and we did three movies. I so, watched three movies in a week. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, long time. I did not get around to the third movie, but I've seen it enough times that it's okay. But uh, our list here is going to be The Bodyguard, A Few Good Men, and Aladdin. So the original Aladdin uh, from ninety two, not yes, the yes. live action version. <laughs> yeah, not the Chris Rock slapping version. Um, <laughs> uh so we've uh we've got a couple to go through so we're just gonna kind of honestly spitball our way through this a little bit here tonight um because it's the first time we've done one like this where we're actually doing three movies so um unlike the normal um review where we kind of talk much more in depth and at length about a single film we're just going to kind of run through the gauntlet of uh of the three of these and just sort of talk our general thoughts on them um so i gotta start off by saying We
1: couldn't have had three different movies to talk about. Yeah. They are very different. (laughs) No kidding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like a sort of like action thriller romance along with like a thriller law drama. Yeah. Courtroom drama with a comedy animation musical. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's quite the uh, it's quite the list, and we did this to ourselves, you know. Like we have nobody to blame for this but ourselves. For we them, you know? brought
1: this on ourselves for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: well, um, honestly, let's just kick things right off with the bodyguard. Um, now, this is a movie that you um, are a fan of and really wanted to add back to this list. Um, so, having now rewatched it, like like before watching it this week, when do you think is the last time you saw it?
1: Oh man, it's got to be it's gotta be 20 years it's gotta be since college maybe
0: so like before we dive in on on some of the stuff that you kind of had thoughts about like overall as good as it. you remembered it or, it or you still, still love, love it? it all right <laughs> there, there's only a
1: few things about the movie i don't particularly like but overall i still think it's great yeah. now this is the first time you've ever seen it so what do, what do you i
0: had not seen this yeah and and as i've mused about on past episodes I was like able to sing along with half her music because of listening to my mom's dopey CD on repeat, but um, it was fine. Um, I thought, I kind of thought that there, first of all, everybody in the movie is insane. Like everybody in the movie is legit insane. (laughs) Like from the lowliest character all the way on up, um, whether it's Kevin Costner and his like, and I guess it goes along with the job, but like his like obsessive compulsive, like must be doing this at all times because he like wasn't there the day that like um, Reagan, got was shot. Reagan got shot. And then I think they were alluding to he was supposed to be protecting some other woman who ended up getting shot or something. They kind of no, like no, said he, he something
1: was, about it. He was there because uh, I think his. Sister had died, or his mother had died, or that.
0: And well, were, that, but like I, maybe I'm just off base. But I, there was one part in the movie where she no. sort of says something. No, so to she him. was talking
1: about a love
0: of you know a woman that he loved,
1: and 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 he joked with her that she that she got killed, and, and he was protecting her. He was joking.
0: Oh, all right, because then she kept being like, "But wait, like, did she? Did she?" Yeah. And he kind of wasn't saying yes or no. So I. Took that to be legitimate. Sorry. So I guess I missed up that point. Yeah, but- he carried that joke a little too far. Like, it went a little, little long, but then he, like,
1: <laughs> strung her along. And he's like, wait a minute. Did this-? And I was sitting there like, I don't think that was the case. And then, then he comes clean and says, no, I was joking. And Gotcha.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must have missed that part. So, like, because he was so serious. So I was, like, convinced that he had lost two people. <laughs> so, you know, there are certain things about this movie that I
1: found meh. But overall, like the 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 film
0: noir esque storytelling of it, I really like. Um, well, let me make a, a point on that, like because it does have that sort of noir, um, filming and feel and cinematography to it. But I have to say, you remember that song "I'm Blue" by Eiffel Sixty Five. I'm um, pretty blue sure hava exactly. Hava. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's inspired by this movie because man, this was the bluest movie I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's just like there's some parts of this movie where it was just shades of black and blue, and that's all you got for like, you know, the whole thing. I was just like, man, whoever this the cinematographer was on this was like, get them blue gels out.
1: But let's talk about that for a second. So I have a couple of notes here to start off with. First, I found it really jarring that this movie has no sound for like the first ninety seconds of the intro, you know, title card, character, and like that's the until you hear a couple of gunshots from Kevin Costner, and then we cut to like a parking garage, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that this movie is so musically driven, and we don't even really hear any music until we first get introduced to Houston's character in the movie. Which I, yeah, I, I, think I had, had one of those, like,
0: like, um, like old is, the man. Sound, is the sound broken? Like Exactly, like, <laughs> where I'm, like, getting up and, like, tapping the, the screen, like, what's going on here? Why isn't the sound coming on this movie program?
1: I gotta, so plug it. <laughs> I gotta,
0: gotta unplug it and plug it back in. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and then finally it, it came on, but I was I was definitely questioning that. <laughs> so,
1: you know, the other thing I want to point out is, though this is one of my favorite Kevin Costner movies. This is my least favorite haircut on Kevin Costner. I don't but know can what I, they were doing with this Can day. I talk
0: to your actual note here? Because I, I, I read this note ahead of the show, and I have to read it in its context because I love it in its context. My least favorite thing about Kevin Costner's performance... <laughs> In this is his haircut in the movie. So in fact, you are giving credit to the haircut actually performing in the film. I enjoyed that hair. thoroughly when I saw that. It's a character all in itself. Yes. Um, I have no comment about his haircut. I think it was just kind of like a stock standard oh, it's haircut. Bad. It's, it's right. Bad. Like I like I didn't remember him having like some like crazy, insane hair or something, was it? Like, like isn't it like kind of similar to like It's like a field of dreams hair and like every other bad bad
1: bowl cut. It almost reminds reminds me of Jim Carrey's cut in Dumb and Dumber in a way.
0: What? What movie was I? No.
1: I got to look this
0: up now. I don't remember
1: it looking like that. It's a bad (laughs) haircut. It's a bad haircut. Um, I don't know what it is. Like, it's not really military and he's supposed to be a secret service guy. Like, I don't know what they were going for with this haircut, but it's not good. I don't know if he came out oh, another movie and well, like, like, didn't grow out enough
0: in time. <laughs> I don't know. I, the funny thing is now looking at it, I actually am like, yeah, it, it kind of is similar to Dumb, and Dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. Yeah, it's not a bowl cut. That's not what I would call this, but yeah, it's it, sort of like... It's just like... You're like it's like you know, a weird like receding hairline on the left and the right, no, like, like you a know big like, re- circular
1: dip in the middle kind of... You know what reminds yeah. me It reminds me of the suck cut. That vacuum that would cut the hair in the eighties. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, the Floby. Yeah, Floby. That's exactly
1: it. <laughs> yeah, so, that's my biggest gripe about the movies.
0: Yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. Now that I'm like looking on on the thing here, I mean, like overall, I don't know. Like depending on the angle he's standing, it's not too bad or just god awful. Yeah, <laughs> it just it, depends it go, which angle goes he's one facing. way the other. So yeah. The other thing I want to point out, and this is my other
1: real big notice, is that. I've never heard of the director before or
0: since. Have you ever heard of Mick Anderson before? I have not. Yeah, no. When the when the credits were coming along in the beginning, I'm just like who? (laughs) "Who I mean, I've heard of Mick G, and I wish I hadn't. But you know, like there's that. But yeah, no, I don't think I. um, Let's take a quick caveat for a for a brief second. Now that you bring up, take a little little
1: dive in, in this guy's so. Oh no! It's it's not it's not it's Mick Jackson, but the, but the title card said Mick Anderson. I don't understand this. This is either way. <laughs> I don't know who Mick is. Um, Does but, Mick Jackson
0: make things better for you? Doesn't it make it better for me. No.
1: His other his other big claim to fame is that that uh, Tommy Lee Jones volcano movie is his other big name movie that he's ever wow. done. Um So. So here's the funny thing. You you mentioned Mick G for a second. He sort
0: of looks like a poor man, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yes, right?
1: So several, several years ago, Pete and I are avid uh, New York Comic Con attendees. And one year we went and we got into a panel for the uh, Terminator Salvation movie, the one with Christian Bale <laughs>
0: as uh, John Connor. And... Mick this G. is more more years ago than than you're thinking. Yeah, it's
1: many <laughs> it's moons like ago.
0: 2008 or nine, maybe. I think it's
1: 2008. Yeah. Now that I think about it, so Mick G shows up and we sit in a panel on it, and he's showing like unrendered or unfully rendered CGI stuff from Terminator Salvation, and the way this guy is selling this, I was we were both like, wow. This movie's gonna be fucking <laughs> awesome,
0: and then we saw the movie is awful. <laughs> yeah, awful. yeah. Spoiler alert: it was not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but the footage that he showed, this
1: unrendered like aircraft and like Terminator stuff, we're like, wow, he did it. He made it great again, and it's bad. <laughs> it's yeah, real bad. So there's my Mick G story for you. Um, so. The next thing I want to point out about this movie is, at some point, they go on a date. Uh, Whitney Houston's character, uh, whose name is Rachel Marin in the movie, and uh, and Kevin Costner, whose character name is Frank Farmer, which is like the worst name they could have yeah. given Kevin <laughs> Costner. He does not look like a Frank to at all. I don't know if they were going for like a Stan Lee sort of alliteration sort of a name that would be memorable, or... I'm going to get into why I think they went with this name later on. But um, because I did some, I did a little research of my own as well, which I found very interesting. Um, They go on a date and they go see the Kurosawa movie, Yojimbo, which is basically like a ronin uh, ex-samurai, like lone warrior, which is kind of like this filmmaker is like nod to that, what this character is. Like this character is like a, like a Jack Reacher kind of a guy or, or one of those like X somethings. that's just a lone wolf now.
0: Yeah. Even to the point that either immediately following that or somewhere following that, um, she's in his room and he's got like a samurai katana there. sword. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, has this like, you know, great moment where he like drops her like silk scarf over it. And it just like immediately just slices in half. Yeah, It's so sharp and everything like that. Never uses the sword or brings it up anywhere else in the movie again. <laughs> nope. So it was definitely one of these just like, like, wouldn't it be cool if moments, you know, but it was think- funny that they, uh, they threw you Jimbo in there. And I was very proud of myself that I was able to, to point it out because I was looking at it first. I'm like, this is either seven samurai or I- Jimbo. <laughs> and then as the scene went on longer, I'm like, Oh, it's Yojimbo. Jimbo. And like, yeah. Yeah, it was just like,
1: yeah, yeah it's pretty funny. Yeah. I actually had to, cause I remember the, uh,
0: the gi in Yojimbo is what he was wearing. I was like,
1: that's what it is. Yes. It's that, it's that outfit. Yes. It's that. Well, kind. it's when he
0: started like lopping arms off and stuff that I was remembering. It was that cause I was like seven samurai doesn't quite get to that, uh, level of violence, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, The other thing I want to point out about this date, right? And this is a a big character flaw in the movie. So almost the entire film, Frank Farmer only drinks orange juice because he makes it a point to say that he doesn't drink when he's protecting someone to like mess up his senses or whatever. They're out on a date. He's alone with her and he's having a beer and I almost wonder if they did it intentionally that he like let his guard down because they end up having sex later on, you know, a couple of scenes later, or it's just they weren't thinking because he clearly makes a point that he doesn't drink because he doesn't want to have his senses, you know, less sharp than they should be kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would I would jump even off that because I mean that is what it is, but um. Yeah, it's like the guy's never heard of water before. He's he's right. Mr. Orange Juice. but loves orange juice. that like vitamin C, baby. Let's take a minute and just talk about their relationship because I all other points aside, I think that the core of this movie is their relationship. Yeah. And we've seen plenty of other movies over time where it's like, all right, girl, person hates A guy and guy person B, you know, are stuck together and they hate each other's guts for whatever reasons. They come from two different sides of the tracks and they, they don't have the same outlook on life, but they're going to end up together because gosh, darn it. They're the two main characters of this movie or TV (laughs) show or, or whatever. And that's what, um, this one was really jarring to me. It was kind of really throwing me for a loop. This relationship, even to the like bitter end of the movie, you know, where like he's going to go and, and, you know, continue his career. He's not going to protect her anymore. He's hired some old guy to do that. And then, like, she, like, stops the plane to get off and have, like, the world's weirdest kiss. Like, this, like, wow, 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 wow like, head flopping back and forth way too much. You know, like, it's gone beside, uh, beyond passionate kiss into, like, weird, weird, awkward kiss for me personally. <laughs> but I just don't buy it. Like, I don't buy their relationship. Yeah, like, you know, that he. Especially from his character's point of view that he's like, you know, I, I, if I start mixing business and pleasure, then I can't protect you properly. And for a guy who is so like laser tack focused in on, you know, the job, I said to Ange, I was like, is he a bodyguard or is he the head of security for this woman? You know, like bodyguard is practically a misnomer because he's like, you know, running security for the whole house and like all this stuff. Well, Tony he's, is a bodyguard. He's running he's a, it. He's a big like, lump of meat he, that's supposed to like jump in front of you know, like the thing. Like you know, he's like almost like a like a security professional. Yeah, he's almost like running
1: it like he's the head of Secret Service guarding the yeah. president in a way. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I made a point of this. There, there's a couple of scenes where where Kevin Costner's character is with Rachel's sister, whose name I forget off the top of my head. But they seem to have better chemistry than him and Whitney Houston.
0: I guess. I mean, like, you know, like to jump off of that onto the sister. Like the sister and the assassin spoiler alert, the assassination plot, you know, also kind of doesn't make any sense to me. You know, they basically say that she's they had a title for her. She's I mean, she's jealous. Yeah, but she, they have like a title for her that's like you know they call her probably like her not secretary. even what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, essentially, but like she's riding the sister's coattails, and we have like several scenes where we see them together, and for all intents and purposes, they seem to have an okay relationship. Yeah, you know, like this thing where she's jealous, whatever. Like I get that, but like to the level of murder. Like, you know, it it's, it would be one thing if like, it was like a sister who had been like left by the wayside and the sister like dumped her off and like, didn't help her out. And, you know, like, you know, she was like really jealous and like was sitting at home, like watching her success and whatever. But like, she's like, she's like lives with her. She, you know, she loves her son. I don't know. It, 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 I guess my problem with this movie in, in several spots is like, it, it just didn't feel a hundred percent.
1: Believable
0: January? that certain mm-hmm. characters would have the um, reasons or the ability to do things the way that they did. Like uh, even just talking, like the um, actual murderer. This is a guy who Frank the hit, the hit knows man. because he used to be a secret service agent too, secret service guy. Yeah. So this guy like leaves off that and goes, you know what I'm going to do is now I'm going to flip and do the exact opposite of what I yeah. was doing. I'm gonna be a
1: hitman, I'm just
0: going to become like a, a killer for hire. And he's terrible at his job because he has like several like clear opportunities where he could do something that he just doesn't, including when he's alone with her in the room, because she's being like pretty skanky as she does throughout this movie. Like, like this is a woman who's so successful and basically is just going to like do dumb stuff like that. Just to thwart Frank kind of, you know, like just to be like a jerk, you know? Um, So she's like, Oh, like that was a guy you were talking to for three seconds and I have no basis for otherwise why you would know him. I guess I'll bring him to bed. Like, you know, it just like, it just seems so bizarre and unrealistic. Also like, in a room that's not really separated off from the middle of this massive party that's going on. How did he get
1: alone uh, in, with her in the room? That's what I don't understand. I agree. Well, like,
0: she she dragged him off with that. But, and, like, you know, Frank was like, all right, if she's going to act this way, I'm not going to do anything about it. Which I was like, all right, well, that makes perfect sense. That's, very um, it's again, out of his character. But, like, I get it, because at that point in time, he's about ready to quit, because she's just been acting so miserable to him. So, like, I'd have done the same thing. I'd have walked out and been like, all right, have fun. He also um, makes it a point several
1: times in the movie that he doesn't want to protect celebrities because they're difficult. And But, like,
0: I got so thrown off in that scene, because they had this point in, like, shot that they put, like, a moment before where they were showing, like, that they were real high up on this balcony, and there's people out there. So I thought, like, they were going to go out there, and he was going to try and shove her over the balcony, or... Um, you know, like he, the two of them start to like initiate, um, as Sheldon would have always put it, coitus, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know he's like choking her and like all this sort of thing. He could, like, right he could have smothered her right there. That's what I'm with a knife if He could, could have... have like put the pillow over her face. You know, like whatever. So what is his ultimate thing? He's going to show up at the Academy Awards because, according to to them, he wants to do it in front of like a big audience why why would this guy want to do that like it's instantly how he's going to get caught he's, he's you know like he, he right, kills the fine, sister fine fine you know like so, but he's got this like his big old shoulder mounted video camera with like a like a pistol like kind of attached to the side slash into it was the side cool of it though you gotta admit that was kind of cool though <laughs> with a laser pointer on it nobody's noticing this laser on her face while like she's getting caught up at I was like, you're, oh, you're ruining the magic. I know, I know, I'm sorry. But like, this is the problem with, with with you. Anytime that you're like, it's the best movie ever. I love it. And then I watch it and it's like only so-so. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I hate that because like, I love this guy to death, but I'm going to have to be really mean to him on the next podcast.
1: <laughs> it's funny because there's a lot of films that Pete loves that I'm just like, boo so i tried watching spirited by the way and we turned
0: it off (laughs) really turn it off you're kidding me i was so bored i was falling asleep oh my god i I thought that was so damn funny well i mean again good you have your direction i have my direction we're all good but uh yeah i don't know i I think just like on the whole for me with this movie there was like there was positives i think the twist Um, in that you think it's just the stalker, then you start to find out actually, no, there's a second personality. And it's like you start to see hints of it because the guy who's the stalker kind of you could tell he's sort of like unstable mm, and mentally ill. Unstable, yeah, and and like just not all there. Um and then the killer, on the other hand, is like as we're told like umpteen times, is like a professional. He's really a professional. So like you start to get like, all right, there's something going on here. Um, so I want to make a couple points.
1: And, yeah, and yeah, Then we can wrap up this movie and go on to one of the next ones. Sure. So the first thing is, I love the trick camera thing with the with the gun on it. <laughs> even though Pete, fine. Yes, would people have seen the laser dot in her head in the, in, in the Academy? <laughs> I'm sure they would have. But for this case, I loved it. Now, so in that scene, Frank Farmer, Kevin Costner gets shot twice and is like near dead. I feel like there's an alternate ending in this movie where he does die. And
0: instead I, what, go Yeah. Ahead. Oh no, I'm on the same page here. Um I wish he had died um because I think that would have finally given her the moment where she realized that this guy was like trying to do all this stuff for her and that's like her impetus to be like a better person person moving forward with with some of the stuff the way it did end with, like, the kiss, all right, the you know, airport. he's got, that, like, yeah, like, the the, the arm cat. and the sling. Like, everybody that gets injured by a gunshot somehow ends up with an arm and a sling at some point. He, he clearly um, was
1: shot in the stomach and in the chest,
0: but his arm was... it's, like, they have, like, the thing where it's, like, all right, stop the plane, and she gets off in passionate kiss. All right, that's the second ending. Like, that's the second spot to be, like, all right, great. They're going to be together. Wonderful. Kill the movie right there. But then they go and show her, like at a venue like doing her thing and him at a totally separate thing doing his thing. And I, then I was like, so wait, what is the ending here Then, like, are they going to be together or is it now he's back to doing his thing and he can't mix business with pleasure again and all this. Like it it was just such a weird question mark ending. And Angie even turned to me and was like, she's like, I didn't remember this ending being so weird as that, that he's like, you know, now protecting like a, like a priest or something. So so
1: he's protecting a priest for some reason in like, Like Iowa or some place like Kansas or some sort of random (laughs) nowhere state. So I said to myself, and this is where I go back to the, the character's name is Frank Farmer. And he doesn't die. And we see him guarding somebody else. I said to myself, this movie or at least this character is ripe for a sequel. Okay. Now go with me on this thread for a second. So they they have a name like Frank Farmer because it's an alliteration. People could remember it, kind of like a you know other heroic characters that they do sequels for. Fine. So I did some deep googling, and believe it or not, there was supposed
0: to be a bodyguard too. By the way, the deep googling wasn't on the dark web; it was on the dork web. It <laughs> The, the deep deep googling I went real deep on this one
1: so there was supposed to be a sequel where he was actually going to be protecting the real princess Diana oh Jesus and then she got killed oh my god and the movie oh. got scrapped oh my god
0: and wow. that's what's supposed to
1: happen that's something yeah. that was supposed to happen so that's why there was never a, a bodyguard too, because it was supposed to be him guarding Princess Diana. Believe it or not. I
0: Here's the thing. I, I like, would that's have a a huge, time. That's a
1: huge leap from movie star. It really is. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, it is and it isn't, but like, especially if, you know, this is a guy that's been, you know, protecting presidents and dignitaries or whatever. But the movie at its core, again, is not about him as a bodyguard or her as a singer, it's about the two of them together. And that yeah. like weird dynamic they have back and forth uh, like it or, or hate it, you know? Um, but to lose her and for him to go off with Diana, or I think this was my thing with the guy at the end of the movie. Then I'm like, why do I care now? Like that was the job of his life. You know, <laughs> like I don't care if he's protecting some priest at like a Denny's, uh, <laughs> being at like a summit, you know, <laughs> like whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm with you on no sequel dies at the end. Makes that movie better in yeah. my mind. So, because it has that like emotional stake to it. That like this woman that he's kind of been like in this sort of back and forth relationship with, he finally does his thing and like gives his life to protect her or something, right. you know, where, like
1: where where he couldn't have given his life for Reagan. He, he gave his life he for her, kind of. her and, yeah. and, and that
0: closes that loop as well you know and, and, and now, i thought he was gonna die you know like she starts yelling at him like no no frank stay with me and then i was like i was like the next thing is gonna be like that like funeral scene you know what i yeah. mean like but it wasn't so <laughs> i was a little surprised yeah well, how, how would they have gotten to the i would always love you then how would they have gotten there <laughs> yes
1: so but this brings me to my final point about this movie though pete and i feel differently about this film i do enjoy it he does point out some glaring
0: problems well, I look, actually- look like i said it was fine like it, it, it i didn't dislike it i just think that there was like odd things that kept pulling me out at points Yes, um, it could have been
1: better. There's parts that could have been better. Sure.
0: Right, and it was, uh, it, what I would say is it's better than I thought it was going to be. Now, okay. that wasn't a, a terribly high bar, <laughs> but it, it, it was a bar that I ended up jumping over. So it, it was it, all it's good. It's some <laughs> sort of a compliment.
1: Yes. But this does get me excited for a few years from now down the line when we get to my favorite of these type of movies, which is In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood which nice. oh! I can't, when that movie comes around the, the the bend, I am going to put in my, there's no other options that month. We're doing <laughs> that movie period. I'm I don't get with
0: that. I, I like Clint Eastwood. I, like I don't movie, care if it's so. the
1: 30th on the list. We're doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sounds <laughs> and that, good.
1: And that's a, that's our little recap of the bodyguard. So where do you want to go to next?
0: so let's let's ease our way over I guess uh we'll we'll continue here with a few good men um and it's actually technically the voting order, so we'll we'll just keep going in that way. um so a few good men um this was another one where um I felt like I had seen at least portions of it before. Now, having seen it again, I'm pretty confident that I saw the whole thing just yeah. too long ago for me to really have it's, it's enough been, solid recognition. I would say like, it's been 29 years since I've seen this movie, probably. Yeah, like Angie definitely remembered it better than me, but that's her mind anyway. She always remembers things so much better than me. I'm very jealous. But um, as some of the scenes were going by, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I was having, like, recollection as I was going. Um on this one, on the whole, what I would say, um, decent movie. I, I I think of this and the Bodyguard. I like this one a little better. I think so too. Um, I, would, I would agree. I like this one better also. And I think, uh, with that said, I have some problems with this one too, which we'll get to. But like, I um I think overall, it's just like a like a strong story, and it has like a lot of stakes, and you're like really rooting for the main characters to get to the bottom of the whole thing. I I,
1: I gotta point out one thing though they allude a couple times for Tom Cruise and Demi Moore to like become a thing they don't they don't go there and I'm really glad that they don't Yeah, uh, because they're military people I could appreciate that they didn't want to you know mix business with pleasure kind of thing and and I think that's probably in the script they were probably supposed to at some point knowing that it's an Aaron Sorkin written story but I feel like They just felt, you know what? These guys are still military. They're not necessarily going to, you know, do something. And it would take away from the rest of the story, which
0: I'm glad they didn't do that. There's Um, a lot of movies that have been like that forced relationship that often, I mean, some movies, it's all of the thing, but some movies, it just doesn't really do a thing to help the movie. Yeah, And I don't think them somehow getting together or whatever would have made this any better. I think it was exactly what it needed to be for that. But I want to jump off something you just said there. And I know it's one of your notes here, but it was something that was very shocking to me is that this was an Aaron Sorkin play turned movie. Um, because Aaron Sorkin and I have a real hit or miss relationship. <laughs> um, there's a lot of his stuff. Like you, you were just saying you were, you had to turn a uh, spirit off because you were falling asleep. That's me with a lot of his stuff. I either watch something of his and I'm like, this is awesome. Or I watch it and I'm like, Oh my God, get over with, you know, yeah. like I'm it's just way. like, there's no in between. Like it's either like I'm in on it or I'm out. Um, and this one happily I was in on, but um, I, I did not realize that it was his. I did remember that it was Rob. Re- I'm sorry to be uh, co-opting your your notes here. I did remember that it was a Rob Reiner film. Um, but It doesn't feel like it should be, you know, just given, you know, Rob Reiner to be and given he's done some other like serious movies over time. But like the guy is just such a goof, you know, like a lot of the time that you're like, wow, like he he's got this very serious side to him and that he can kind of really do like a good sort of thriller drama, you know, um, edge of your seat type of thing as well. Um, it feels like it's more of like a Brian De Palma kind of a film than a Rob
1: Reiner. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Totally. It's just so bizarre. I mean, listen, well, I love Rob Reiner, but I was, it caught me off guard. I was like, wow, he's the director
0: of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to leap into this with a note that you had on the last movie, because it was something that really bothered me in this Uh movie. And I'm curious if it bothered you at all too. The very first note you had for the bodyguard was that you found it really jarring that there was no music in the opening title sequence. I was jarred out of this movie multiple times by its music. It had this weird like synthwave, like late eighties, early nineties, kind of like Scored. just below like a theremin sort of sounding instrument. I I'm assuming it was some kind of electric keyboard that they were doing a lot of the music for this on. And it felt cheap, and shitty and tacked on and it really had me mad because I was like, this movie and the story and the actors that they brought to the table and like everything they did with it needs a full orchestral score. Yeah, it needs like you a John I mean? Williams
1: score. This movie. Well,
0: not like necessarily like John Williams. What's the guy? I can't think of his name right now. I gotta look his name up right now. He does such wonderful stuff and I was thinking the um, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. <laughs> Zimmer, Zimmer is one of them for sure. Um, Danny Elfman? No, just give me one second and I'll I'll pull it That's up. Let's just start
1: naming composers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it. And we'll see if you get to it. Uh, who else is another James Horner? James Horner yes, should have should one. have orchestrated this movie um, because he has those great militaristic style um, scores that he's put in movies like Glory. Um, and several others, like in that vein, it's just like, imagine like a score like that being tacked onto this film instead of this weird synth wave garbage. I hated that. That's the one glaring thing that was driving me nuts all movie long with this. Yeah. But you know, it also would have, I also,
1: I wonder if because next year Tom Cruise has The Firm and that score is very, very noticeable in that movie. Like it's it's big in the movie. And I wonder if they, you know, who knows if the studio didn't want to like have them sound too similar because they are in a way somewhat similar movies. They're both, he plays a lawyer in both movies. But, you know, the
0: score to me was not right. I would agree. It just felt like less of a choice and almost more of like an obligation, like as if like their budget had run out before they got to what they were going to do to score it. And they just went with what they went with there. Mm -hmm. But it's, it like reminded me of like so many of these, like also like early nineties to like, you know, whatever, like, um, like B or C level movies that uh, or like made for TV movies that like just have this like kind of crummy, weird, tacked on extra music to them. Um, I don't know. It just it just seemed weird. It just seemed like a weird choice for for what they could have done with like a like a bigger, more sweeping and interesting score right. at points to sort of underline sort okay. of the, the gravity and um, gravitas that like the um, actors were bringing. To the roles, you know, I felt like... I don't know, just kind of... No, I I get that. You know,
1: another thing I wanted to point out was... So, the movie really opens on the two Marines essentially starting the torture of the guy who they're on trial for killing. And it's it's kind of a blink-and-you-miss-it sort of moment. Like, if you took a bite of your popcorn, you would have missed this (laughs) happening on screen. And I said to myself, if this was today... We would have seen full on torture before the movie even started.
0: It's true. And I have to say, and again, maybe this is like a sad version of the perspective that I have, like now, and like the sort of desensitization um, that you experience from having seen so many violent movies or, or things like that. I like, and it, it's probably also fed into the fact that Ange said to me, she's like, I can't remember, were they doing this to him because he was gay? And like, I thought they were about to like rape him or something like that. Like, I didn't know what they were doing because they were like tying him up and gagging him and like, they were going to ward- him or something as well. And, well. But then when they tell you later in the movie, like, oh, we were just going to cut his hair. That did not feel like they were no. coming in there to cut his hair. They no. felt like they were no. coming in there hot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, what is going to happen to this guy? And then, the, it, as you said, it does sort of abruptly cut away. So I was like, oh, they're going to you know, not show what, what goes on. Um, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was a good way to, to kind of make like a quick hook and get you going in the beginning of the movie. I'll tell you, I think that they also messed up in so much as that they have several scenes then introducing um, Demi Moore, Tom Cruise, etc., cetera. Um, and then they do a scene that is a jump back in time. To Jack Nicholson's character discussing after these events happened or before the events happened, like what they were going to do, like like the one guy saying, like, we should just relocate the guy um and he's like he's like i'm not going to do that you know like yeah, that that's the easy way out uh, you know i'm going to and
1: it's a weird you know, flashback cuz it comes out of nowhere like that's it
0: doesn't what I'm saying. It, it doesn't have like you know nothing to to help you along to that so it came and it happened and i was like oh so that was like a flashback you know like okay um but it seemed odd but the more i thought about it i was like all right so you you lead in this film with the scene of them like beating on the guy Um, how do you get back to that scene? And I, I guess it's the way that they did it. I just wish that it had, and and it sounds stupid and cliche, but I wish they had some transition or lead in that was like, you know, kind of like, I, you know, like, or like flashbacks as they were speaking, you know, like it did almost didn't even need to have that scene right then and there. They could have saved it. You know, what for when he meets the guy later on in the car or in the hotel and like, room, like he, exactly, he could have been describing and it's like a yeah. deep
1: throat sort of a conversation. We jump back and that, that's where that scene should have been. Yes, I agree.
0: And he would have had no basis or we the viewers would have had no basis for who this guy in the car was. But I also think that would have been fine. You know what I mean? Like they could have yeah. just mentioned that there was this other guy well, throughout said, the movie and then like they finally said, are like, who are you? And I'm like. I'm the guy you've been looking for. <laughs> yeah. They, they, well, they do mention several times that the guy's
1: gone AWOL and no one can find him. And then magically he appears in the back of his car. And yeah. it, you're right. That scene should have happened later, either right after that car sequence or when he goes to visit him in the hotel room and he tells him the whole story. Then we cut back to seeing the conversation as it, as it unfolds. Cause it would, yeah. it would have more like, um too, because it just sort of comes out of nowhere, and I'm like, "All right." I mean, the
0: only other thing is that, like, we know it, it gives you early into the movie a very clear idea that a who Jack Nicholson's character is going to be, and 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 how he sort of has this double speak. Then, where all of a sudden, when they go visit him in Cuba, he's like, "Oh no, yeah, we signed off on the transfer order and all this." But you could think about another version of this movie where we only get that scene in that flashback once he's at the hotel with him. Mm-hmm. And then it would cast a very different light. Yeah. Like if we don't put that scene in the beginning, we look at Jack Nicholson as going, Well, maybe he did do the right thing. Maybe he did sign this guy's transfer order and maybe and then we're only finding out later, like yeah. how truly, you know, awful he is just in enough time for one of my other biggest gripes with this movie, for the lead witness who disappeared and could have left things alone, but decides he's going to show up and help Tom Cruise and them out, only to decide he's not going to, and he's going to put a bullet in his mouth instead. Well, they even call it into, like,
1: Tom Cruise's character even says, like, like the the U.S. Marshals did a real crummy job. Like, he had his, you know, formal uniform, and he had, like, a very particular specific gun and you're like he didn't hang himself like a chrome
0: plated gun and he had like a sword you know his sword with him yeah it's like like, i guess they gave the guy these things in his room yeah i guess he just has that like in his luggage (laughs) like his full uh his full regalia i don't know but um it bothered me that that was the case i almost wish Again, that there was some way that they had, like, oh, Jack Nicholson's character is so powerful he had that he was able him. to, like, you know, like, get the the guards to abandon their post. And then, like, next thing they got, you know, like, you know, he has this sort of thing where he's doing, like, he's, like, narrating, like, a like a suicide note, I guess. Yeah. And he's sort of saying, like, I'm sorry I wasn't strong enough, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just be strong enough. Like, it's so annoying that this is the way that they decided to to, to handle this character because it's, like he like flits in, gives them this ammunition and then flits right back out in enough time for it to be completely useless. And it's just like, eh. (laughs) but you know, I mean, in a way it makes the final scene then with Tom Cruise taking that gamble on what he does stronger that he didn't have that material witness there. But I still think they could have done a version of that where he gets killed rather than kills himself after deciding to do the right thing or whatever. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. a couple other notes that I have. I think this is one of Demi Moore's
1: better, or if not maybe her best role. I think she's really charming in this movie, and she's not just meant to be, like, pretty Demi Moore. Like, she's, I, I don't know, I thought
0: she's really good in it. I really enjoyed, like, the cast in this movie. It, well, we, you and I, our biggest complaint, we, we say it so much we could put it on a t-shirt, is she had nothing to do in this film. And yeah. she had something to do in this film yeah. it's as simple as that you know it, it you know you could get into the whole that she's like a strong female character or whatever but she had a role to play she had important things to do and this is the type of thing where I think a lot of movies of this day and age were lacking yeah um in that you just as you just said like it's like you could have like eye candy demi Moore or you could have something of substance and you know happily, and thankfully, it's a Sorkin script, and that's how you get these sort of things. She had substance; she was important to Tom Cruise's character development. She was important to the plot. She was important to you know the, the two guys. The whole on trial. thing off. He was ready to to you know just plead this guy out, with ever having seen him or met with him or anything. Yeah. So you know, like she kind of is the inciting. You know, not she's not the inciting incident for the film, but she's like the thing that you know pushes the the film into being a thing. You know, so I I thought she it was good that she had a lot to do. That said, I wish she had more court time. Yes, you know, right? I, I think one of the other things is that we're told about this movie or in this movie is that Tom Cruise is this amazing lawyer. Well, we don't really have any evidence of that. What they give us. Is that he's never seen the inside of a courtroom. He just always gets people to plead, whatever. That's the makings of like a really crummy lawyer who really <laughs> that, wouldn't. That, know an exactly an ambulance what chaser, doing. right? <laughs> exactly. And like they, you know, she kind of like gets this idea early on of him, like that that's all he's capable of. And that's why she's a little miffed that she's not the lead on the thing and that he's been made the lead. But then as time goes on, she's sort of drinking that Kool Aid and she's like, you're the only one that could do this. And I'm like, ugh. I was like, it would I be thought, nice to like, that really, line
1: too. I hated that line. I'm like,
0: I I wish they could split the responsibilities a little bit more. Like the two of them sort of team up and and kind like of go after the whole Co counsel in thing. a way, yeah, exactly. Because she already is co counsel, you know. Um, especially because you have scenes like when they're meeting um, with them down in in Guantanamo, and he's like, okay, well, um, that sounds good. We're gonna go now. and She's like, no, it's not. And like she keeps kind of like going after him. I'm like, where's that fire? from her like in the courtroom. I wish right. there was more for her to do like that in the courtroom because of the two of them, she really demonstrates that early on. He's very like whimsical. Like I want to play my softball and like, you know, like whatever I got to carry a bat around, you know, sort of thing. Like, to, to, you know, I don't know. I, she was a good character. I really liked her in this role. Um, I'm not bringing a ton of Demi Moore movies into my mind right now to really compare it against, I think there's things like GI Jane pop into my head and stuff Ghost. like that. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you know, you and I had nothing but good things to say about her in Ghost too, if you'll remember. Um, Flatliners is another one with Kiefer Sutherland, no less. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have a note here. Older Kiefer Sutherland from 24 is much more handsome than young Kiefer. Sutherland.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I think it comes back to your hairdo thing again. Um, I think him with the buzz cut just doesn't work. It doesn't I think work. it's like. A, you need the, uh, the, uh, more full headed, uh, hair on him. Um, right. he played a pretty, like, he had a small role, but it was significant. Like he yeah. played kind of like a dark Marine, you know, like you got the, like the sense that like, this is a guy that is career, but not in a good way. You know, he's sort of taking all the wrong aspects on. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I thought he was pretty good in the role for, for what he had to do too. Yeah, no, he was good. I, I think Jack Nicholson steals every scene that he's in. No yeah, like question. like every movie he's ever in. Yeah. I mean Jack Nicholson has like one speed and that speed is Jack Nicholson. <laughs> it's but so big. It, 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 yeah, it it's just what you going to do about it? You know, like sort of like, you know, just it's, it's the same voice. It's the same inflections. It's the same thing every single time. And yet it's always compelling.
1: (laughs) So there's a a whole scene after the, they're like key witness kills himself and Tom Cruise is drunk in his apartment and kind of goes off on Demi Moore and she leaves and she's walking down the street and it's like pouring rain. So, he goes and follows after her in his car. He's admittedly loaded, <laughs> loaded, but he's sober enough to get out of the car and like convince her to come back. And, and he talks to her and he kind of convinces her of, of going after Jack Nicholson's character. And she sort of turns around and stares at him. And the shot holds for her for a long time. And I said to myself, this scene was cut short this scene goes on longer in real life i I can tell there's more to this conversation in like they wouldn't have had this huge elaborate rain set where it's pouring like yeah that was some serious rain (laughs) the heaviest rain and i remember that from a kid watching this movie like it had the heaviest rain i could ever remember in a movie and i'm like This movie, this scene was cut short. This this rain scene was supposed to go on much longer. They were probably (laughs) gonna kiss in this scene, and they pulled it out of the movie. I guarantee.
0: Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. There's this whole like set of footage that's been removed from this film. That's like their love plot that uh, they pulled out of there, and they're 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 getting you with it, Mike. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure. And
1: you know, really, the last key thing about this movie is that whole back and forth. You know, to Angie's credit and to your credit is the fact that that scene of him and Jack Nicholson is the most memorable part of this movie by far.
0: And it is like, the most memorable part of this movie. And I would say it's one of the most memorable scenes of the nineties. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it's really something. And I have to say it has a different context having gone back and watched it and having the rest of the plot there to inform me that like the whole thing was a gamble for him that like, it wasn't I, just him I riding him to try and break him like that, which it was in part. But it was also like his career was on the line, like that, like if he had he could, no evidence he could have got to go on this guy said. with. And like, you know, he they brought in these two guys from um, the air base in, in D.C., presumably to speak to this flight that had left earlier that he had wiped out of the records. And so they they used that to fool him. But then they say after the thing, like, what were those guys going to testify to? that they had seen absolutely nothing, you know, like, so like it was all or nothing for him. Like he was either going to like lose his law degree there, (laughs) or he was going to get what he got out of it. And he got what he got out of it. Now you could go a different way with this scene in so much as that, like, you can tell that Jack Nicholson's pretty devious and that like, he's been kind of covering this whole thing up. He's had, you know, flight records expunged and like all these sort of things, but he missed a few key things. Like he missed the, um, luggage, which I thought was a really interesting a really, way. To, the, the, it was a really good angle. The phone
1: call thing were really interesting angles. And
0: I yeah. forgot all about that completely. Totally. Yeah. I've forgotten those things. Um, and then like that final kind of just like, you know, he gets mad enough that he's like, you're damn right. I did like, he could have kept lying. He could have just been like, Nope. You know? And like, you know, like he kind of screwed up already and kind of like, you know, um, Insulting the judge a couple times, which is also like pretty blatantly know. stupid, <laughs> you know, but I've also known people in my life that are like this, this kind of like bullheaded sort of thing. And that's how we got him. You know, like it, it's like it, the, the best part of this story and, and this film. And I'm, I'm giving um, Aaron Sorkin credit with this because, like I said, sometimes I cannot stand his stuff at all is this all felt really believable, really grounded, um, but also really like moving, you know what I mean? So like, I thought that this was just extremely well-written, extremely well-acted and just extremely well done all told. Um, it was just like a, just a very good movie. So you see why, you know, it goes on to, to be so memorable and, you know, you know, to be what it is. So uh, yeah, no, it was, it was very enjoyable. It's, is definitely again, in my mind, uh, much better than I had remembered it. And I feel stupid now having said like a week ago that the only thing I remembered was that, because to be honest, there's a lot of pretty cool and memorable stuff in this, but it's just all so overshadowed by how powerful that final yeah um, portion is in the court there. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I would agree. So Now, we'll bring it on home
1: to our number one movie of the poll, which is Disney's Aladdin. Yes. I don't have a lot of notes on this because it's one of those movies that, like, you just kind of sit there and it just takes you on the ride, you know? (laughs) It does.
0: No, that's such a great way to put it. And, like, here's the other thing that I would say is we could easily have put – I think it was last year – Beauty and the Beast – on the podcast because it was another big deal movie of its time. But I was like, I just don't want to do this one. (laughs) This one I wanted to do. And I wasn't sure if it was going to get all the vote because it was up against some, you know, big competitors and a few good men and things like that. Um, but I think I've said it before and I'll say it again and I'll say it again and again and again, this is my favorite Disney traditional animation movie. And I say traditional animation. I don't
1: know about that for me. I mean, it's up there, but it's not my
0: favorite. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones, and a lot of them start coming out around this time, things like The Lion King and things like that. And there's, you know, other older ones, whatever. But for me, I loved this. It it came at a perfect time in my life. It was just really enjoyable. I had the biggest crush on Jasmine. (laughs) It was just like, it was just, it was what it was for then. But on top of all that, Like of all the Robin Williams roles that he's ever played, and there's been some really amazing ones across the board, probably one of the most iconic and memorable has to be the genie. And And he just chews and chews and chews the fat in this movie. And it is so wonderful the whole way through.
1: So what's hilarious about this movie is in, in, in particular with, with Robin Williams character, he's not in it all that much. Like, He doesn't have as much screen time as I thought he did, but the scenes that he's in, he just commands it and you forget and you lose yourself in his performance.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, I like I said, I ended up not being able to see this one in enough time for us to do the recording here. So bravo to you for getting truly through all three of them. Um, But I also put this one last in my watching order because I was like, if I miss it, it's fine because I've seen this movie a billion times. And that's the thing that I think differentiates all the movies this month for me across the, you know, the board from each other is that this is a movie that I have watched a million times and I will watch a million more because I've just loved it, you know, for ever since I saw it on my 10th birthday, you know, (laughs) so, um, it's just, you know, I don't want to sit here and expound it. It's great. It's great. It's great. Everybody knows it's great. It's just a wonderful movie. Um, but I think they did a lot of fun original stuff with this. It's when they were kind of getting into the era where they were moving away from completely hand drawn into some computer animated portions, like the the cave of wonders. Um, yeah. And things like that. So like, you know, they start to do some really cool stuff with, with that. um, each of the characters was really likable, you know, like, like, uh, there's so many great quotable lines that to date, I still quote like all the time. I'm exceedingly (laughs) sorry, princess, you know, just like all these ridiculous things that are, um, you know, in this. And obviously, you know, I mean, I guess it's not saying a lot, um, because they're kind of doing all these things live action, but like it sparked them to do a pretty early on in, in this, roster of these 3D live-action remakes, a, a remake of Aladdin, and I even really enjoyed that one, uh, the Will Smith version. Although I wish they could have done slightly different things with him, it was kind of like the Fresh Prince of bel sort of thing. Yeah, he's not really blue
1: enough in that movie, in my opinion. Yes, yeah. So the first thing <laughs> I want to point out is this movie had four writers on it. Four. I didn't. And That's interesting. I, I was very surprised, and, and they credit all four of them right in the beginning.
0: Now here's the thing I wonder about. Um, do you think they're all script writers or do you think they're also crediting them for the writers of the music? No, it says written by and it's got four names. <laughs> Interesting.
1: I'm gonna look it up while you're while you're uh, going ahead. Because <laughs> now I'm just curious so, who they are. And also it opens on like a market keeper guy. And it's Robin Williams voicing that character. And I'm saying,
0: so how many voices does he do in this movie? I think that's only, and it's great too, because I think when you're like a kid, you don't like recognize necessarily that that's him. And then like, you know, on successive viewings, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's who that is. Um, and it's again, it's like still, still fresh, you know, like all this stuff like that just drives me crazy. I love it.
1: <laughs> so you know, you mentioned the Cave of Wonders earlier, and the interesting thing about that is they use a scarab to find the Cave of Wonders, and there's like two pieces of it that go together. And you know, in Arabian and Egyptian cultures and stuff, a scarab is a is a big deal. But i have forgotten about that completely, and it's just kind of a neat little nod and like. A, a understanding of what is needed for like the story. It could have been anything and they use the scarab, but I thought it was kind of cool. I, I dug
0: that. Well, especially too, the, the lead in is that like Jafar has been searching for the cave of wonders, but has been searching for the other half of the scarab years, for, years, for yeah. all this time too. So like things are only just starting to come together for him at this moment too. You know, um, I I love, just to speak about Jafar for a minute, I love how arch he is. And a lot of Disney villains are this way, like very over the top and ridiculous, but like, he's really evil. He's, he's so over the top evil that like, it (laughs) it comes like back around again. And it's just like almost Mm -hmm. goofy. Um, You know, like, like how completely arch and like silly sinister that he is. Um, you know, like he's literally like, uh like the beard yes. tugging, evil villain, bad casting of the curly <laughs> yeah. mustache kind of guy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Ah, uh, you know, Captain Hook in a way. Um, <laughs> but then he has this partnership, and I'm just gonna again co-opt another one of your notes. He has this relationship that his closest personal friend is this parrot, Iago who's just so wonderfully voiced by Gilbert Godfrey <laughs> and the character of Iago is so fantastic to the point that once they leave off this movie, cause you know, Iago and, and Jafar spoiler alert end up in the lamp together, mm-hmm. getting tossed, you know, presumably for another like 10,000 years, whatever. But you know, if you see return of Jafar, they come back pretty darn quick Um, And after that, like Iago just becomes a fixture. Like Jafar is gone, but Iago becomes a fixture all through the animated movies and the series that they do after that. um, And all still voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. So I think it was just like uh, you have here, he stole the show, his, his scenes. And like, he does like, you know, it's just like, he's another one. It's like, you put like these like over the top people like him and Robin Williams together. And it's just like, it's, they just have such great on screen presence.
1: And, you know, It's funny, like you mentioned the music in this movie. The music in this movie is really written for an ensemble cast because there's a lot of background singing and everything. And I fully understand now why it's such a successful Broadway musical because the music isn't just like, you know, one person singing every song. It's like everybody
0: singing in every song in a way. Well, it's all spectacle too. Is the other thing I don't that know if like Jasmine every sings time all, there's really, a musical. Well, well she, yeah, the she sings world, a whole new right. world, and that's why in the um, in the new movie they gave her that speechless song to kind of like like all right, like we got to give her like like something most more. Dizzy you know? Princesses sing uh, a lot. <laughs> she doesn't sing anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, which is again, it's kind of like that's again. I think this is the thing for me is like a kid growing up with a lot of Disney movies. Like my parents were like, Disney is wholesome, watch Disney. So like, you know, there was like just like a ton of Disney movies I watched. And like, you know, you've seen all these other princesses and whatnot, just singing and singing and singing. Again, it, it's it's silly to say, but I think she's one of the early basises for me in liking a strong female mm-hmm. character type in, in my things, you know, like, like it, it's just like, I, like, I really got a, like a kick out of that. Like, you know, she kind of like held her own from like moment one, um, with, you know, like, you know, he's like, Oh, I'll leap across. And then you do that. And like, she's just like, you know, leaps right over his head on the pole and everything like that. Um, she's just mm-hmm. a good character and like, you know, there, it's not like she needs saving all the time and all this sort of thing. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I know we just, like, just jumped right into a whole Jasmine thing there. But again, I, I, I still have the hots for Jasmine, to be perfectly honest with you. We, we go to Disney and we, we find her in Morocco. I'm like, hey, <laughs> like, I'm the creepy dad. How are you doing? <laughs>
1: okay, we've gotten to a different show now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on.
0: So, yes. Funny enough, you know. Naomi Scott, too, by the way. So- yeah. Ticks all the boxes. As we mentioned, (laughs) um,
1: you know, Gilbert Godfrey voices Iago, uh, or Iago. I'm sorry, but you know, Abu, who's Aladdin's sidekick and pal, is voiced by the same guy as Donald
0: Duck. It's Donald Duck's voice. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I don't think I ever put that together. (laughs) I'll tell you another thing that's that's kind of neat too. As we're you know just kind of jumping through. Actually, you know, the more I think about it, I'm like, I could really hear Donald's voice. Yeah, that's, that's kind of neat. Uh, one of the other fabulous characters in this movie that doesn't ever say a word is mm. Carpet. Um, like, how you take in an inanimate object, like a rug, and make it into such a mm-hmm. lovable character, like, I think is yet again, like a to testament Disney. to what the animators were doing at that time and the way that they wrote in the character and had the genie interacting with him and the other characters interacting with him. Cause it could just be nothing. It could just be a flying but it's carpet. Almost like and a that's it. But the fact that they, yeah, like they kind of like, you know, like, um, anthropomorphized him a little bit through like his tassels and the way he bends and things like that. It's it's just kind of neat. It's almost has like, it takes on like the, um, like the feeling of like the mops and like the sorcerer's apprentice with like, uh, with mm-hmm. Mickey and everything like just is kind of like, like anthropomorphization, if that's, the word for, for like, you know, how to make this otherwise non interesting thing interesting and alive, yeah, and like become a whole other non speaking character. So I don't know. I just thought that that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah,
1: I'm just pointing out real quick, <laughs> I got the Jets game going on above us here, and uh, they've the Jets have pulled their number two overall draft pick, Zach Wilson. For the fourth string quarterback, and this guy is running amok right now. It's crazy. I, I,
0: I'm like trying to pay attention to a podcast and watch this guy go nuts on football. It's pretty cool. Sorry. So I was, I was considering cutting that part out in the edits, but I'm going to leave it in because now I want you all to let us know on social – which was the worst diversion? Me and Jasmine or Mike <laughs> and the, the Jets game? <laughs> we'll put out a poll. You let <laughs> us know. Yeah. We'll put a third option. They were both awful. Stop yes. podcasting. Move on. Find something else <laughs> to talk about.
1: Um, so I also I didn't realize that Jasmine and Aladdin spend so much time with each other before he becomes Prince Ali. I didn't know that yeah. she met him before and then what I was bothered by was, why did it take her so long to figure out that he was the
0: same guy as the the poor kid she met in, you know, in, this, in the village or in the city? So now here's the problem for me not having a fresh rewatch of this. In the newer movie, the 2019 movie, Aladdin basically point blank asked that question. He's like, like, these people know me, like, you know, like they're going to recognize me. And he's like, well, that's the thing with genie magic. It kind of, you know, shows you what you want to see sort of thing. I don't remember if they addressed that so directly in the first movie. She kind of pulls him out
1: on it, like, wait, you're that kid. And he's like, oh, yeah, I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you can see that she's got, like, the hints of it, like, um, like, on the balcony and everything like that. And then she kind of... I think finally figures it out after the, the carpet mm-hmm. ride or something like that. She kind of, she kind of like, you know, throws him a, a curveball. And he's just like, Oh yeah. You know, she, I think she says like, how's a boo. And he's like, Oh, boo's doing great. You know, he's like, yeah. whoops, you know, sort of thing. Like realized, I think they do the same thing in the newer movie too. But yeah. Um, I, I guess it's the, the Clark Kent Superman thing, you know, like you get the version of him where he's like barrel chested and, and he's got this, curly Q hair and everything. And then you have like the slumped version with the glasses on. And it's like, you have this kid who's like dressed in rags and you have this guy that's dressed in like Mm -hmm. real finery, you know? And yes, they've spent time together, but I guess it's also conceivable that like this guy that like all of a sudden rolls in with a magic carpet and like, you know, this whole parade and the whole nine yards might be something different. So I, it's that suspension of disbelief that we have in all sorts of media like that. And I point to Superman as the finest example fair. of that. All right, no. fine.
1: Now, yeah. I have to point out so, you know, there's the whole scene when they're trying to get out of the, the Cave of Wonders and
0: they, yes. they get on the carpet. And they're. F- Before you say this, can I just say that I love <laughs> you out of this note in?
1: <laughs> and please and proceed. proceed. Trying to escape there and all the lava and everything. And. My sister and I had the Aladdin game for Sega Genesis. Yes. And yes. To this day, I can tell you, I've never beat that part of the game.
0: Never. <laughs> never never seen how the play the game ends. It was, it was so hard. Aladdin was a tough game. Yeah. It was a little, it was a little bit of a harder game for like all those, I have to say, a bunch of those Disney games that they released around this period of time, and it might start with Aladdin. Um, because then they have, um, the Lion King game, which was also in a very similar vein, beautiful games. They did an awesome job with like the way that they like created and animated them. And they were just like fun. They were just kind of like fun, but hard, um, side scrolling, you know, platforming games, but they, they were a little unforgiving in certain levels. Um, the monkey tossing level in, um Lion King comes to mind for me among several others you know trying to escape from the uh, stampede and things like that yeah they uh, they uh, it was a fun game i now i'm feeling very reminiscent i kind of want to like see if i can find an emulator and go dig the two of them up and give them a go i have to say it was uh, misery trying to figure out how to beat scar at the end of lion king once i finally got to the end of that cuz you're just like beating on him and beating on him and beating on him he's got no health <laughs> bar nothing's changing and then like finally you figure out accidentally that you gotta get him to like the side of the cliff and like do this particular move that throws him over the side, but I digress. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again.
1: Um. Yes. <laughs> no. He <You> sucker. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> I'm getting frustrated with this game here. Um, so you know, we meet the genie, he does his whole thing. Now I forget that he made this deal with Aladdin that he would be freed with his third wish. And Aladdin really only uses two wishes, but the first one would make him a a Mm -hmm. prince. Is the
0: second one to save him from when he's drowning? Correct. Yeah. And, um, you know, he has this other, technically another wish that he had made to get out of the cave of wonders. But he sort of tricked the genie to, to get him to do that. um, so, yes, when he gets like thrown out and he's like, you know, you know, in that predicament, although I think he was drowning in the new movie. I don't remember that that was the case in this yeah, one he, or the, the, if it if it's when he gets sent off to like the snowy no, place. So, like, which is the- so
1: sort of both. So he he's drowning in this movie by Jafar. I think he like ties something to him and he sinks him to the bottom of the river or whatever.
0: Right, so that happened relatively the same and way in both. The then. genie, like, um, the, yeah. the
1: lamp pulls out of his pocket, and, and it like bumps against his head and, and comes, he comes out, out. And then yeah. the genie kind of like moves his own. Yes, I'll free you, uh, whatever. And he like flies him out of the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, yeah. Later on in the movie, when the genie gets taken, you know, basically by Jafar, and and is now controlled by Jafar, Jafar banishes him to some sort of snowy you know, like Like like, Siberia or or the Alps or something, who knows but like he uses a tower as like a rocket ship and shoots him there and it's a cool sequence and everything and it's a little bit computer generated as well as animated and stuff but now they're like you know, he's got a a vest with no shirt on, he's got a monkey with no clothes on and he has the (laughs) carpet with him and the carpet is trapped underneath this now toppled over tower and somehow they get the carpet freed and the thing starts falling down on him and they're running. And, you know, listen, I understand. It's
0: It's like the old Buster Keaton thing. It's a (laughs) a Disney movie. It's
1: animated thing or whatever. But like, he happens to find the perfect spot where he he can kind of, to go through the one tiny, one (laughs) tiny window. It's small enough. And the window just keeps going and doesn't catch him on the way back up and like kill him. And I'm just like, they couldn't have thought of a better way to like get him to escape or I I feel like he should have jumped off the cliff and then the carpet should have come down and swooped and caught him would have been the better
0: for me. But again. Yeah. Somebody just wanted to pay homage to the old Buster Keaton through the, uh, through the window thing there, I guess. guess guess Um, But yeah.
1: (laughs) So again, like I said, I didn't have a lot of notes for this movie because I just kind of like went along with it. Um, but yeah that that tower of blizzard thing really bothered me, and it bothered me as a kid, too, which I find kind of funny um you know overall, after that, I just kind of went along with the movie and just rode with it, and I forget like how Jafar kind of you know wants to be the greatest sorcerer and and has to wish to be the greatest sorcerer in the way it wants. Yeah, another bad guy easily duped with his he wants ego. wants to be the sultan. <laughs> and then Aladdin tricks him to be like, you're not the most powerful thing. You're the genie's more powerful than you. And he wants to be a genie. And that's how he gets defeated, essentially. And he gets this black lamp. And it's a cool sequence and everything, you know, because he, like, takes the castle away. And, uh, you know, all this other stuff goes on. And it's, it's, it's visually stunning, especially for a 90s animated movie. The acting is really good. Uh, I sort of like how they change the genie into like this red genie at one point when he's like controlled by the bad guy. Um, you know, I, I do like this movie and I like a, I. I feel like
0: Jasmine has a lot to do, but she could have done more, I feel like. Yeah. And I think that's what they tried to like then address in the new movie. Yeah. They, they kind of did some changes with her character, which I think some people liked, some people disliked. Um, but they, they, they kind of, again, they, they, I think they built up on the base of her sort of being like a strong character that like, you know, and basically in, So, so here's the thing, right? So like one of the things that I think is, is the same in the animated movie as it is in the live action movie is the genie sort of says to him, like, you know, like she has to marry a prince. And um, he's sort of like, Oh, well like, you know, we could just like get rid of that, that law sort of thing. Um, And the way they kind of go around this in the live action movie at the end is um, essentially, like the salt they like they've kind of keep like approaching it like Jasmine's like, well, like I'm your only child, like probably I should like take over like when you know, you're too old and, and would become, you know, I would become a Sultan and it's very much like, you know, that's never been done. You know, like that's never been done. That's like, that's against the, the the rules sort of thing. And in the end of the live action movie, he basically says to her, like, you'll be the next Sultan and you can rewrite whatever, whatever law the laws you want, yeah. as you see fit. So therefore now she could marry, you know, somebody who's not a prince or whatever sort of thing. So I, I thought that there was things like that, that they added in that were kind of like, maybe like better, versions than, than what they did in, in the original. I remember they fixed, um, in the original movie, uh, the genie singing, um, Prince Ali. And he says like, uh, come out and give your Sunday salam or something like that. But it doesn't make sense. Cause that's something that would be like on like a, I think a Friday, I could be probably screwing up the date now. So they changed the date, you know, like the day of the week. And, and so like they did like things to kind of like tweak and like fix quote unquote, fix things um, from the original. So, uh, you know, there's, they did some interesting things with that. They gave her the speechless song, which, um, I wish they had done two songs for her because they sort of do the song once and then they sort of do like a reprise version of it later. And I'm like, they probably could have just given her like a second song. Um, so that was a little, you know, different. Um, you know, they did the same thing, uh, in a way with, uh, Lion King, not that somebody was singing it in the Lion King, but they did that, um, what's her face? Uh, I can't think of who it is, but they had like a, an extra song that they added, um, into the live action movie. So they kind of have a trend of, of sort of doing that, you know, with, uh, with the thing. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I, I guess what I would say at the end of all of this is that when Aladdin started winning the poll, I started thinking to myself, you know, like I love this movie, but I kind of didn't want to do a full review of it. Because it's sort of hard it's, to like it's, really it's pick, apart an to pick apart an animated movie in a this way. Because
1: there's a lot that goes on with this movie.
0: Yeah, so it would have either just been me like gushing for like an hour and a half about it or or whatever. So I'm kind of happy that we we did this the way that we did it. And I'm also happy that we were able to touch on. Aladdin, because I don't think we'll ever get around to like Return of Jafar or um, Ali Baba's Thieves or whatever the hell the name of the third one was, you know, and like all these other things that they go on to do. Um, but I will just take a moment to say that, like, you know, they did do some other great media with this, like the animated series
1: was yes, really did. good.
0: Like they did a really good job with it. Um, do you know who voiced the genie um, post? I think the second Either I think he was in the no, second he's in the movie. Third. he's Not in the second. And then he yeah, and then he came back for the third, which is like a whole thing unto itself. Like I'm not gonna go down this rabbit hole, but Disney Did Dirty by by um Robin Williams. So he was like he hated Aladdin and did not want anything to do with Disney for a long time afterwards. You can look it up on the internet. I'm not gonna get into it here, but um that's why he wasn't in the second, and then it was eventually in the third, but then he was not again in the animated. Do you know who was the other voice? I don't. Since you brought up the voice of Donald Duck, I happen to know this one: Dan Castellaneta, the voice of uh, Homer okay. Simpson. Hmm. And you can kind of hear it, like if you if you go and like listen to like the other versions of it, you're like, oh yeah, like that's him that's in there. Funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we want to end this year with something we've been doing the past couple of years, and instead of making it its own episode, we're going to discuss our top five movies each of us, of the last year, of 1992. And I want to start off with a couple of honorable mentions myself. So, in no particular order, the movies that I... We didn't cover all these movies, and a lot of these movies on the list, we didn't cover at all, but they're movies that I just really like of this year. And my honorable mentions, first of all I have, is A River Runs Through It, which, if you haven't seen this movie, it's a wonderful film. It's a great movie. I love that movie. Another one for me is one that I lobbied for and wanted so badly was Passenger 57. <laughs> I wanted it so bad for us to do it. Sorry. Such a fun movie. It's so crazy. It's Wesley Snipes. It rules. Um, another one that's an, a great movie was Death Becomes Her. And my last honorable mention of, of
0: the movies that I loved this year would be My Cousin Vinny. There you go. I was doing the same thing. I was really like trying to think earlier and I was scouring through lists of the movies that came out just to try and help refresh my mind on some of the stuff, like you said, that we either didn't do in depth, you know, sort of looks at. And funny enough, there was things that popped up on the list as I was looking through it that I'm like, man, how did we miss this altogether? Um, so I only wrote down two runner ups for myself Um, which were both movies that I think we touched on, but, you know, just didn't have the bandwidth to do full, um, digger dives, bigger dives on. Um, one of them, which I won't be any surprise to you when I say it is army of darkness. Um, just because I, I, I swear to God before you and I kick the bucket, I'm going to sit down with you and make you watch that movie for better or worse. Um, but it's like, you know, um, like when I try and come up with my top five, and I think this is kind of the way I've done it the past few years, and maybe you're kind of in the same vein. I try to pick out movies that aren't necessarily like the best movies that came out that year, but they're movies that I know that I love and that I'll watch over and over again, that I've seen a bunch Mm -hmm. of times and that I will watch again after this. That kind of becomes like my criteria because honest to goodness, like, you know, we've been doing this two years now and when we've done these sort of end of the year things, I had pretty clear lists in mind for what I was going to pick out. This year was hard. There is a lot of really yeah. good movies in 1992. Um, you know, like just stuff off the top of my head. Again, in that like runners up to runners up sort of list, things like Ladybugs, Mariachi, um, Patriot Games. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was that was like, um, a, like uh, Glenn Gary, Glen yeah, Ross. Yeah. Uh there there's there's movies like those at like Cutting, edge, oh, you cutting know? edge. I didn't even there's put that on my like list. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And ones that we did go over, Encino Man, Three Ninjas, you know, there's stuff like that from 92 that I love. Um, I did not include Batman Returns on my list. Um because again, while I love those early Batman movies, like I still felt like it wasn't ones where I'm like, I'm gonna like watch that mm-hmm. regularly you know, all the time, like probably all told, I've probably seen that movie like three, four times in my life. If that Um, same type of thing with alien three, you know, like uh, there's just like a bunch of stuff that when I was looking through the list, Beethoven, you know, like stuff that I've seen, but like, I was like, God, there's like so many things I could just add and add and add to the list. That said, I did shrink my list down. The other runner up I should mention that I didn't mention is reservoir. Oh yeah. That's another, um, which again, like you and I sort of talked about how it, it kind of like, um, popped in and didn't do a lot of money on the, the first month that we saw it on. So I think that's kind of how it got shuffled under the the carpet. But that was probably maybe not my first Tarantino movie, maybe my second um that I saw. So um so there you go. But uh let's let's hit the the top five. And what I would say if you have them in a, a five through one order, feel free to go for that. I don't have a five through one order. I kind of started trying to figure out which I would put where, and I really didn't have a great way of doing it. So I sort of just have them. So ish-mosh. five,
1: I have Batman returns and people are like, what? It's a Batman movie.
0: Yeah. But then
1: I, I would have loved it more if the penguin wasn't in that movie. I, I feel like the penguin really ruins that movie. Um, and not, not no fault of Danny DeVito's. It just, it's just not a great interpretation of the penguin. In comparison.
0: I think it's a lot of know. those. I think it's a lot of those Batman movies. I think that's where it gets tough with. um, Do you have the Riddler or Two-Face? Do you have Poison Ivy or Mr. Freeze? The fact that they felt compelled after that first one with the Joker to do this thing where they had to have at two. least two bad guys in every movie going forward. I I don't think it worked for them. I don't think they were able to fully flesh out who that character was. I think that they, if they had spent more time, like, all right, we're just going to do Catwoman and sort of like set up this relationship, you know, this kind of antagonistic, but also like love sort of um, relationship that the two of them have, that would have been a neat lead into them doing a movie with yeah. the penguin or the Riddler or, you know, like, well, it doesn't need to be, the yeah. two every time. And I think that really worked against them in and those And it also, films. if you look at a lot
1: of earlier superhero films, even Spider-Man 3, when they have multiple villains, it doesn't work in the movie. It hurts the story a lot, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so my number four on the list, though, is Lethal Weapon 3. And a lot of this has to do with Rene Russo coming into the, the fold for that movie, because she's so good in it. And I just... Love her in this movie with Mel Gibson and I love Danny Glover. The villainous throwaway in the movie, but the the fun of this movie is, is all of that and Joe Pesci and the whole thing. So that's my number four. Um, what, what's your thoughts on lethal weapon three? Not, not in your top 10. I mean,
0: you know, we obviously, we obviously yeah, did we our did whole, whole episode on. Um, review on it and I like it as much as I like any of the, the lethal weapon movies. They're, they're just fun, popcorn, check your brain at the door sort of movies. Um, I do like about those movies versus other movies in the similar genre, like the, the fun kind of nature between the two main characters and how they sort of bounce off each other. Um, as you said, I, th- I like, um, what's his face? Joe uh, Pesci? <laughs> Joe Pesci. Thank you. Um, as far as like Joe Pesci goes, like love him or leave him with those movies. I, I, I don't know. Like he, he doesn't add so much in that one as much yes, as he true. did. The I, other would, one, I would think. agree. Sure. Um, so I think Renee Russo, as you said, sort of fills in more of that like tertiary character gap. But again, for me, it's Riggs and Murtar, what's interesting in those movies. So everything else is just kind of fluff after that.
1: So number three was as a tough one for me, I, I kind of go between Wayne's World and Patriot Games as my number 3. I love both those movies. I I think I give the edge to Wayne's World just cuz it's so iconic and it stems from the SNL
0: skit and everything. And so wait, you're saying here that Wayne's World is two then or you're just going to like you have the two of them on the same line and you're going to erase one of them and leave yeah, the other. Yeah, I, I would say spot. if I had
1: to, if I had to eliminate <laughs> one I would eliminate Patriot Games and keep Wayne's world in my number three spot, because number two is probably your number one, but I'm going to say it's my number two, which is Mighty Ducks. Okay. Just because it's such a part of our sh- childhood, in particular, like, you know, everybody wanted to play hockey after that movie, and the whole thing, and just the whole, the, the, the vibes it gives you when you see that movie. Um but my number one movie of 92 was when we did not review. And again, I lobbied for it, but we didn't get to it. was, was <laughs> sneakers again? If, it, it's a movie that if you <laughs> haven't seen this movie, it is phenomenal with another terrific ensemble cast. You know, it's just a terrific movie. It's a, it's a spy thriller. It's a crime drama. It's,
0: so I tell good. you what. Over the break, I am going to watch that, and oh, you're <laughs> going to love it. You're going to love it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll 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 give you my baby it's, review yeah. in uh, in the next new. new It's new got, new got movie. everybody. <laughs> it's got everything. It's so good. It's a great movie. So what what's on any of your <laughs> list? So you 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 made me feel like I needed to put this in an order. So this is a rough order. I don't know that these are solidified in the spots they're in, but I'll I'll give it my best shot. So at number five is going to be. Captain Rock, Really? (laughs) Which should not be a surprise for you, given how much I talked up liking this movie. Um, Again, like on the criteria that this is a movie I've seen a bunch of times and that I would be happy to watch multiple more times again, that's why it makes it onto this list versus some other films. Again, there's some really great stuff out there. And actually, I have to tell you, I was really struggling with this list because by the time I got like three or four of these written down, I was like, man, I'm missing out on action stuff. Like, was there not great action stuff in 92? And I realized that there was, but it was just nothing where I was like, I'm going to watch that again and again and again and again. So that's, again, why I'm coming up with with these titles. So, so that's where I land on that one. Um, number four is My Cousin Vinny. Um, and again, like, I was really struggling between the two of those because I find them to be a similar feel those two movies. Like they kind of like, you know, goofy, you know, um, sort of style of thing. Um, but I think my cousin Vinny overall is probably a slightly better movie in my mind than captain Ron. So that's why I'm kind of pushing it up that, that one notch. Um, number three is the movie I just spent a, a period of time gushing over is Aladdin. Um, again, forever in my, my heart there, probably again, probably, probably my top, disney 2d movie if not 2d and 3d movie um just love watching it just very enjoyable the music's really good lots of spectacle lots of fun very silly um number two for me is wayne's world um it's just it's just wayne's world it just is what it is it's perfect it's great it's so much fun such a product of its time um, and as you called it, sir, number one is Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> just cause again, it's just I've seen it way too many times. It, it just was and, such and a hockey is such
1: a big part of your linch- life.
0: And- well, it's just yeah, it's just a linchpin movie. It just came at a good time in my life when I was getting into that sport. Um, again, like there's probably an alternate version, Earth 2 version of me out there who <laughs> kept playing hockey and was really much more interested in it than I have have had the time to be in my adult life. But um, I don't know. I'll get back to it again at some point, but uh, it's just, it's just a fun movie that said all five of those are interchangeable for me. They're all number one movies in my mind. Um, I really love watching them. I, you know, like I will, as soon as I possibly can introduce my kids to Wayne's world (laughs) and my cousin, Vinny and captain Ron, you know, they've already seen mighty ducks and, Aladdin. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's where I, I end up. So, on, so now uh, let's give a little yep.
1: teaser for 1993. So I have oh I, I have boy. a list pulled up here, <laughs> and I'm just going to read off some of these movies, just a handful
0: of what we're in store for for '93, which is which is again like when we got to this time last year, and I was like, wait till you see what's in '92 these years seem to be getting better better and and better better and better as they go i'm gonna
1: rifle off these movies jurassic park the fugitive the firm sleepless in seattle mrs doubtfire indecent proposal in the line of fire cliffhanger free Willy, groundhog day
0: Free Willy.
1: <laughs> cool runnings. Scent
0: of a woman. Demolition man. Rookie of the year. Are you kidding? Bronx you, Tale. Nightmare Before Christmas. Days to Confused. You Gettysburg. Adam's family values. Yeah. Look at this list. Yeah.
1: This <laughs> Hot, robocop Hot 4. shots <laughs> are <Bardu. laughs> Like, are you? Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Carlito's Way. <laughs> Wayne's World 2. Yeah. This is just a handful of movies. This is The
0: Sandlot. Are you- Sandlot, yeah. Are you <laughs> joking? Yeah. And Sandlot, just to point out, yeah. is 50 You're on this list? Homeward. Homeward. I don't know if you said it already, but Homeward oh, Bound, The Incredible man, Journey. I'm too
1: poop to poop with that.
0: Which you still <laughs> quote to me today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. so it's- it's gonna be a year. Oh, you know what another Striking one distance. To this? Bruce cool, Willis. Cool. Oh. oh, this movie's fantastic. Cool runnings, grumpy old men. Yeah, oh, I mean like tune in, folks. It's gonna be wow. a year. I Corn don't know heads. how like we're gonna Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna get through some of this stuff. It's it's quite wow. a year. Bottle Rocket oh, bottle, yeah, I just no, watched I mean, Bottle Rocket again for the first stuff. time for a long time. Wow. There's some serious stuff coming wow, out. There is some <laughs> juggernauts in this year.
1: Hoffa. Hoffa is 93. You this.
0: <laughs> yes. Let me ask you this. Was this your or my month for notes? This was actually my month for notes. So you still kind of basically ended up doing that. All right. So, so we'll get into it then um, early into um, January with me doing a, Dude, a grumpy
1: old man is 112 on this list.
0: 112. I, I love that movie so much. <laughs> it. Wow. Oh man. So here's the thing, right? So January, we got to pick our movies for January. We got to put something out there on the list, but the list is basically what we just put up. It's Aladdin, A Few Good Men, The Bodyguard. Past that, this is where I think we start. Scent okay. of a Woman. I'm going to skip over Home Alone Two. I'm going to go for number six, which is Forever Young. I know. <laughs> I mean that, or I hate- honestly like. Given the rest of these movies after it, like I'd almost be fine doing Haffa Scent of a Woman, and just calling it there. Yeah, you know what.
1: I would say the only other yeah, I would say Sign of a Woman is is the way we go because we could do Leprechaun. I'm the
0: Leprechaun! I'm <laughs> the Leprechaun! <laughs> we'll do that with Wayne Roll 2 when we get there. Yes. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so I mean we could do your favorite movie oh, Toys. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> um But it's like there's such like if you start going down this list, honest to goodness. There's one, two, three, four January movies in the yeah. top twenty. All the rest are leftovers from from December. So it's like I'm kind of and even scent of a woman is December, but like oh my god, what a good movie! So I'm almost tempted to just and make scent of a that woman wins best the picture movie. right. Yeah, yeah, it wins. Let's several awards. All right, so forget you voters. We're going with a, a solid pick here. <laughs> so look forward to scent of a woman coming up in uh, in the new year. Here, yeah,
1: that that sounds like a good plan. Because other than that, it would be and half, right. right? half is like nine hours long, and though I love it, it's a long movie. Yeah. So you know, as always, folks, if you want to check us out, go on our socials. You can go to Facebook or Twitter, and it's box office three zero. Or on Instagram, it's box office. T-H-I-R-T-Y. Hit us up, comment, tweet, take our polls when we do them. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think of the show. You could also go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Give us a review if you enjoy the show and you find us funny and goofy and nerdy. And, you know, if you feel the same way we do about movies. You can also go to our Tea Public store and get some merch. It's a little late now to get some holiday gift ideas, but if you're looking for something <laughs> for Valentine's Day, it's right around the corner, folks. Um, also, yeah, I already
0: see all that stuff in the uh, Target when we go there.
1: <laughs> so, also, we want to thank um, Jason and Mickey over at the Retro Network for giving us a platform to talk about movies and goof off about, you know, Aladdin and all this other stuff, like, and just have a conversation and. You know, just a, a place for us to have a voice and thank you guys so much you know you've been overly generous to us over the last couple of years and we truly are grateful for you thank you so much you know you can always let us know what you guys think as well like I said you can also email us do we have an email or no is it website we have a website <laughs> shit
0: we have a website um, we do have an email uh, I never answer it because nobody ever writes to it. I think it's boxoffice30 at gmail. And you can also
1: go to boxoffice30.com and check out our website if you want to see any back episodes. See or hear <laughs> any back episodes. So, you know, listen, we've gone on now for an hour and a half and we're rambling on like crazy at this point. And, uh, you know, if you've made it this far, thank you so much and kudos to you. Um, but listen, you know, have a happy and healthy
0: holiday season and happy new year and we'll see you all in January. See you then, friends. Bye.
1: This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.